Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast where we talk everything related to the golden era of professional wrestling. My name is Jumpin' Jay, and as always, I'm joined by the man himself, the New Jersey Nightmare, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Tommy, happy Thursday to you, brother. Hey, Jumpin' Jay, what's going on, man? We have, we have a great show today, a great show. I'm excited. As I said, every week we're going to try and have on one of the stars that will be appearing at 80s Wrestling Con Live on Saturday, May the 7th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. One of the featured attractions, Jay, for that convention coming up on May the 7th will be a reunion of the fabulous Rougeau brothers. Now, they're one of my favorite teams growing up as a kid, Jay, and I know they were yours as well. And they don't do many of these appearances together at all, so it's a really unique and special opportunity to uh, come out and get a chance to, to meet them together as a team. And then also, uh, you know, uh, Jock is, is, is very, very popular for being the Mountie. So an opportunity to get an autographed picture of him as the Mountie and as the tag team. And uh, momentarily he'll be joining us on the show today. Anyone out there that wants to call in and, and talk to a big time legend in the sport of professional wrestling. And the fact that he's not in the hall of fame is, is nuts because he was one of the, the top characters during the, you know, the, the heyday of their golden era. Uh, so if you want to call in and give uh, your opinions and talk to him, the number is area code 516-595-8295. Again, that's area code 516-595-8295. Jay, you can take over. Listen, Tommy, when you say he was one of the, uh, the most entertaining wrestlers of that time. Uh, that's an understatement. He had a heck of a career. He won championships. He was in marquee matchups. He was in main event spots on, on iconic pay-per-views. But what I love most is that as he was doing it, it came across that he thoroughly enjoyed performing and wrestling. You got guys that maybe treat it as a job, they clock in, they do their work, they go home, but he seemed to really enjoy it. So I am beyond excited to welcome the man to our show. He's strong, he's handsome, he's brave. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the Mountie live to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Jacques, good morning to you, sir. Thank you so much for joining us. I am the Mountie. (laughs) <laughs> he's handsome, he's brave, he's strong. I've always wanted to do I'm that. Also, yeah, yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, like you said, you know, uh, uh, it's amazing. I had a great career, and uh, but there's one thing that people do know is uh, with my brother, uh, we had a great time too. Uh, you know why? why you that? know why? We don't like Quiet. heavy metal. We don't like rock and roll. All we like to listen to is Barry Manilow. Hey! All American boys. Come on, Jay. All American boys. Yeah. I like this guy already, Jay. This, this yeah, is what I'm talking about, good. Tommy. Jacques, you seem to thoroughly enjoy entertaining people. Is that something that just has come natural to, to you? That you just always had this best for life? Well, you know, we got, I got to admit that uh, since I was the age of four years old, that wrestling has been my passion. It's not only been my path, but it's been my passion. And, uh, and yes, it comes easy for me to, to have fun and get into my characters and reminisce about good times. And it almost seems to me like I shouldn't say that 
because my girlfriend's not too far, but it's one of the best things of my life is a passion for wrestling. <laughs> well, as fans, <laughs> we, we thoroughly appreciate it because we enjoy the sport, we enjoy the spectacle, but the entertainment is why we tune in. And just to give a testament to how over you are currently, we're three minutes into the program and we have five callers waiting on hold to talk to you. So we're going to jump into live calls from the fans. But before we do, I'm curious, what is the Mountie up to these days? You're such an energetic guy. You have such a passion for the business. I don't envision you sitting in a rocking chair enjoying retirement at this age. So what are you currently up to? Well, I'm glad you asked, uh, uh, Jay and Tommy, because uh, I'm doing something absolutely fabulous. Not the fabulous Rougeau Brothers, but it's fabulous. You know, I, I, I put together, it's the first time it's going to happen in the history. You know, there's a lot of independent companies and wrestlings around the world. And in Canada, there's 10 provinces which have many federations that are indies. And for the first time, I'm going to join the 10 provinces of Canada and make a contest. And it's going to be a reality show contest, which is amazing because I have so many things to say. I'll try not to go from left to right. But first of all, let me tell you that I recruited 40 of the best talent of Canada and people that are great talent that just weren't at place at the right time or didn't know the right people to make it to the big leagues. And that's what's so fun about this contest because the 40 contestants are starting on a 12-week show, and every week we're going to eliminate four. And, and, and the four that are left, actually the eight of, that are left, are going to meet four against four in singles and tag team. And we're going to have judges by the ring, you know, who are going to judge this contest. And, uh, and QT Marshall from the Nightmare Factory is going to come and be the last judge uh, for, for this show. And, and, and the four that are left, they're going to win great prizes. They're each going to win $5,000 each, women and men. But the biggest prize is that QT Marshall, I made a deal with him. He's such a nice guy. He's going to take my four winners, and he's going to take them for three months and train them at the Nightmare Factory. And that's like a dream come true for any indie wrestler in Canada because of the papers and because of the work problems getting there. And so it's just amazing what's, what's happening in this contest. And what's fun about this contest is there's going to be three judges at every show by the ring that are going to vote at 40% of who's staying and who's leaving, who's being eliminated and who we keep. And then at 60%, everybody's going to be able to vote around the world to text in to say who they want to keep and who they want to, lose, who they want to get rid of. And you could do that if you subscribe at wrestling-academy.ca. And just subscribe, and, and, and then you'll get the notifications. It's supposed to start in May, but this is the biggest dream for any wrestler in Canada. I'm so excited that everybody's and, – and you know what's fun about this, too? Guys, it's uh, all the old-timers like me, uh, Ricky Dragon Steamboat, Tito Santana, Million Dollar Man. If Anyway, there's so many, and you're going to go on my website, wrestling-academy.ca, and you see all these guys giving words of encouragement to the young wrestlers in Canada. And all those young wrestlers, they, all, they used to look up to all these wrestlers. So what a great, great thing happening for Canada. What an, amazing, awesome. you know, what an amazing opportunity for independent wrestlers to get advice from uh, talented, what you refer to as old-timers, but we'll say experienced wrestlers that they probably grew up looking up to. What an opportunity. <laughs> That's fantastic, Jacques. You know, I'm very proud of that because I'm passing the torch. You know, like I had 41 years of professional wrestling, you know, in the ring. And uh, 
and I had a great, great career. And, you know, when I was about, uh, I don't know how old I was, maybe 14 years old, when I really got into saying, hey, I'm going to make this a career out of myself. And, you know, I, I just imagine if when I was 17 years old, if I would have an opportunity like that to win $5,000, but not only that, to go to the United States of America and one of the best schools in the North America, uh, QT Marshall's Nightmare Factory, and to be chosen to go there, I knew I would have worked my butt off to get in that contest, that's for sure. That is definitely exciting news. Wrestling-academy.ca. Everyone listening, be sure to check that out. As long as we've got the Mountie with us this morning, we're going to go right to the slam line and take some calls. The first call we're going to take is from Tommy's Neck of the Woods, Butler, New Jersey, longtime listener, Danny. Welcome back to the show. You are on live with the Mountie. Tommy, Jumping Jay, feels like a, a long time. Miss you guys. So hope all yeah, is well. We miss you too, brother. Uh, Mountie, uh, great, great morning. Uh, awesome opportunity to talk to you. Just want to tell you one thing. Party vous français. Tell all the girls. The way. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Bring back souvenirs, my man. You know, uh, and, and uh, yeah, it's it's nice to be able to have to be on this show and be able to talk to the fans that uh, that that followed me through my career. So so go ahead, just ask me any question you'd like. Well, definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you and and Raymond uh, come uh, May in uh, my neck of the woods in Morristown. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, you're definitely one of the. Um, most charismatic heels, uh, whether you were in with, with the tag team, whether singles, um, you definitely knew how to entertain. You were great in the ring. You know, uh, like I said, uh, I you know think it's a shame that you're not in the Hall of Fame. But like I said, that has nothing to do with you, nothing to do with us, unfortunately. But um, like I said, throughout your well, career, you know, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry for cutting you off. I just want to say that you know. I, I'm, I'm really sour, too, about that. I think of guys like Earthquake and Tugboat and Demolition, a lot of guys that should be in there, the Killer Bees, the guys that, that produced a great era of the 80s. I think, honestly, that everybody that was on the WrestleMania 3 card in front of 94,000 people, they should be in the Hall of Fame. I also think guys Absolutely. like are going to laugh, but uh, I think that, uh, like Brooklyn Brawler and guys that, that, that were underneath us to make us look good because we were in the middle card, but the guys underneath made us shine, and we made the, the top guys shine. And so everybody, you know, to create Rome, you can't do it in one day and not by one person. It takes a lot of people and a lot of time. And I think that, uh, I think that Vince should consider um, thinking that it's, uh, people that are in the Hall of Fame should be in there because of their talent and not because of their personal relationship they had. You know, I broke my relationship with him, uh, my relationship about 30 years ago, and I guess I'll never be in the Hall of Fame because I'm not his friend. But bottom line is, is that that's not a Hall of Fame. Yeah, I I, I agree with you 100. percent Um, as far as your you know your career, you know, obviously you guys were a tremendous tag team. You guys had tremendous uh, work in the ring. You know, I you know I think that you obviously you know you guys were in that the greatest era of tag team wrestling. You know, late 80s into the early 90s, and unfortunately, you know, you guys weren't able to get a run with those titles because, you know what I'm saying, it's just, you know, the division was so stacked. You know, it was you there know, was difficult. There was a lot of teams. There was a lot of teams in those days that deserved it, you know, and, and that's, not, that's not the fact. The fact where I think that it should happen is because for like 
two years, we worked against Raymond and I. We worked against the Rockers, and we had great matches, the Bulldogs, and great matches. And we worked with the Hearts for two years. And and as they were, as we were baby faces making our way into the WWF, and then uh, for for two years, the Hearts were like heels. And then Jimmy Hart came with us. And then we worked another two years as the Fabulous Fusion Brothers with the Hearts again. So I worked like four years with Bret Hart and Jim DeAnville Neidhart. And, uh, and then I had a great run also with the Big Boss Man. I had some great runs, some pay-per-view, some main events around the world. So, so uh, But you know what? In my heart, and I meet a lot of fans, you know, and it seems to be more and more popular where people are saying to me, because they know I, uh, I take it personally, I do. But but a lot of the fans come up to me and say that I'm already in their heart in the Hall of Fame. So so it works for me. As far as as, as you single in, uh, Zach, when you when you go back uh, look at it, like I said, you had a tremendous uh, you know who could forget SummerSlam '91 against uh, Bossman, the Jailhouse match. Um, <laughs> then you had you had a you had a tremendous <laughs> you had a, a, a great uh, run. Uh, you know, going into to the end of '91 into '92 with Brad, uh, you you eventually got the the icy strap and then, you know, you know, losing it a couple of days later to the Royal Rumble to Piper. Um, like, did it disappoint you that, you know, later on down the line, you weren't able to get a, another run with that title? Because like I said, you would have made, I think as a heel, you would have made a tremendous champion. Well, you know, it, it, you know, it's all the way you see things because when I, it was a very nice compliment for me, uh, because the differences between Brett and Piper where Brett didn't want to drop the title to Piper. So they used me as a, as a, a stepping stone just to make it in two days. I am actually the shortest ever lived intercontinental title of all times. But the funniest thing about that is every time I go to a Comic-Con for the last 30 years or, or personal appearance, they always got these dolls where I got the belt around my waist and the dolls and everything. So I only had it for two days, but every picture I signed, I got the belt on. So, yeah, and it was, it was amazing. And, you know, just to, where I see uh, something uh, – I almost feel like bragging, but anyway, that was always part of my character. But I'm going to go ahead and share something with you guys. Uh, I, I was sitting one time in the dressing room, and I can't remember what had happened. Uh, Macho Man had quit, he, uh, and so they were stuck where they were missing a big baby face that night, and it was a big uh, TV show, and uh, there were TV tapings. And, uh, and, and I got there. Vince called me with Pat to go into the dressing room, and, and right in front of me there's a Sid Vicious, and he's sitting in front of me. And, and so, so, so Vince says, listen, uh, Sid, we're going to have to turn you babyface tonight. And we're going to make you a good guy tonight. So, so, so Sid started laughing because he was working with me. And, and you know, he says, we're going to use Jacques and we're going to turn you babyface. And he started laughing because he said, hey, I, nobody's going to buy me as a, as, you know, as a babyface. I'm, I'm the hottest heel right now. And so we're sitting there. And so finally, long story short, I get in the ring. I go out first and I take the microphone and I, I cut a promo like a, let me tell you something, you bunch of hillbillies. I look at this place around me, and I don't see any man in this place. And there's about 18,000 people. I can't see one man here. And as a matter of fact, I just left the dressing room, and I didn't see any man in that dressing room either that could put me in my place. And here comes Sid Vicious right out of the curtain. And he was the biggest freaking baby face they had that night. You know, so, so, uh, so, so it just goes to show that they used me at some some spots in the business where, where they had, it meant something. So, uh, so I take that, I'll take that to the grave with me. Like, you know, to create Batman, you need a good Joker. And so if I guess I was a good Joker. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. Like I said, it's a pleasure talking to you. Uh, um, I definitely look forward to seeing you, you know, that thank you for your time. And, you know, like I said, it, it, I'm glad to see 
you uh, still in, in good health and uh, good spirits. Uh, time to jump in, Jay. Keep uh, hitting it out of the ballpark. Jump in, Jay. From your episode last night, we, last week we got called it in the ring. I want to share something with you regarding one of the, the, the convention that I went to uh, in 2019. Um, we almost have a similar story with Ricky Steamboat where you actually almost walked away with his ring and he didn't notice. But when I right. had that opportunity, he caught me quick, man. He wasn't giving, letting go of that ring. I appreciate you sharing that story with me, Danny, because you're just so excited to meet these childhood heroes of yours that it's quick to forget that that they let you put the ring on for the picture and it's easy to walk away. I love that he caught you. Um, Yeah, he he didn't learn from his mistake with you because he let me walk away, but I brought it right back. I I was very apologetic, but that's funny that we have a great story. Yeah, well, thank like you for I said, calling guys, in, uh, Keep up hitting out the ball. It's always a pleasure. You guys, uh, keep, up, keep up the great work, and I look forward to keep uh, speaking to you guys. Thank you so much, Danny. Have a wonderful day. All right, one phone call down. Danny's a great super fan of the show. We're going down to Atlanta, Georgia, to talk to our good friend Joe. Joe, welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. You are live with the Mountie. Good morning, officer. Good morning, my friend. For you, officer. <laughs> hey, officer, which way to Canada? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, this is awesome. For those who don't know what you're talking about, I got to say this. When I first started, I started the character. I, my brother Raymond had quit the business in '89. We were the fabulous Fujo brothers. I spend a year at home, and then here comes Vince. He calls me up and he says, "Hey, we got this great character. We'd like to get you in. So, so we're going to do a couple of vignettes there up in Canada. So, to, to put on about four or five weeks before I make my first appearance, actually in live shows." So, so I got, I'm sitting in a park, I'm sitting in a park and I'm on my horse and I'm really have this serious look there and conceited look there. And so this car pulls up beside me and, and there's two Americans in the car. They're not really Americans. They're only extras, but they, they're supposed to be Americans. So they pull up beside my horse and one guy about in the 25, the twenties. So the guy puts his window down and he says, uh, excuse me, officer, excuse me, officer. And I look down to him in the car very arrogantly, and I say, I'm not an officer on the Mountie. So the guy looks, holy shit. Like, you know, so he looks at his girlfriend in the car. He says, my God, I got a wacko here. So then he looks back up to me on the horse, and he says, excuse me, Mr. Mountie. Can you tell me how to get back to the USA? We're lost. So slowly, I just put my leg over my horse, and I get off with that serious mean look in my face. And I come to his car, his window, passes uh, the driver's window, and I say, uh, come here. So he looks at his girlfriend like he's afraid to get out of the car. So his girlfriend says, come on, chicken, get out. So then he gets out of the car, and I said, follow me. So I bring him up to the front of my horse, and I put my hand underneath the mouth of the horse, and I, uh, I put his head up towards the sky. And I, and I look at the guy, and I say, you see this part of my horse? It always points to Canada. And then I walk slowly towards the back of my horse, and I call him over. And then I pick up the tail, and I lift the tail up completely, and the camera goes right into the ass. And I say, you see that part of my horse? It always points to the USA. And the guy's so funny, jumps back in his car, spins his wheels, and he gets the hell out of there. You know, but, 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 but you know, the Americans don't have a sense of humor because for about four or five weeks, they, they played that vignette on TV. And, and when I made my first three appearances, we were at the Boston Gardens, 
Nassau Coliseum, Long Island, and the Spectrum in Philadelphia. I got to tell you, that's not a picnic to go to those places. But 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 to be honest with you, I, they were throwing rocks at me coming into the building the first night I was there. And what a character that! Was, but what a vignette that was so popular. And I'll tell you, the Canadians really laughed about it. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mounty, Mounty, you always in the ring. You had it's it's like a combination of a baton and a taser. And I honestly, is the name of that thing that you used as the Mountie? You mean your, the cattle? Prod? You know your baton thing. I'm sorry, I don't understand that word. Do you mean my my cattle prod? I guess so. Yeah, yeah. That the thing that like I give shock. shock. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a cavalry, and it was a real one, you know. I'll tell you a story that's real funny, real fast. I, so Vince gives me the idea to become the Mountie. So I'm so happy. I'm, I, I, but then I'm thinking of an old manager wrestler up in Quebec, Montreal, Quebec, in the 60s, 70s. He was called Eddie the Brain Creechman. He used to wrestle Abdullah. He used to be his manager, uh, Abdullah's manager, Eddie Creechman. And he had this shock streak, this cattle brought for cows to make him go in the field, you know. So he used to chase me when I was eight, ten years old in the dressing room when my father was wrestling and my uncle wrestling. So I was really scared shitless. So I told Vince, I said, hey, I got an idea. I got this thing here. It's like an electric shock stick. I'd like to bring it with me. You know, so he said, sure. So here we are. I can't remember what city. Now, you guys, you got to understand something. This is a real shock stick. This is a shock stick. I took a lawnmower coil. My friend took a lawnmower coil and he reversed the power on it to, to make it negative and positive. And at the end of my stick, it's about two, at least one and a half or two inches long where you see a flame going from one pole to the other. And it's really badass. And if you ask me how badass it is, I don't know. I never tried it on myself. But anyway, long story short is I'm going to my first match with Coco Beware. And, you know, I love Coco. I met him in Memphis early in my career in the 80s and stuff. We were great friends. So I got on my stick here, I got a button where my thumb is, where I hold it off and on, and where my little pinky is underneath, I got an emergency button on, which is left, uh, you know, up and down, just to always keep a control on it. And I don't know what happened. I must have been so freaking nervous to make a first impression. So at the end of the match, after about a 15-minute match, Coco Beware is lying on the floor. He's all soaking wet. And there I go, and I take my cow's blood, and I start shocking him. And I'm sh- and boy, he's selling it good. He's shaking like a son of a gun, you know, with that water on him. And then he starts, but then I'm saying to myself, you know, I get, you know, he used to, they used to put that sound effect, you know, over the yeah. voiceovers and stuff. But now I'm starting to smell like pig, like, you know, and, and like, oh, a, no. you know, when you burn your skin and I'm going like this, like, wow, Vince is pretty good with those effects, man. This is, this is unreal. So, you know, I'm shocking the hell out of him. So I go back, so I go back in the dressing room and I'm waiting for him, open arms for him to come through the curtain. And when he came out, boy, he wanted to kick my ass. And I was like, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that was a bad first impression for all the boys that were next. For the cattle brought, but, but, but. <laughs> anyway, everybody get up, everybody get down, cause the Birdman's in town. How dare you did that to the Frankie and Coco <laughs> Beware there, Mountie? <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, there's um, one thing that had to be explained and had to be understood is the Mountie always gets his man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And his last bird. question. <laughs> last question from from you, 
sir, is um, who did you beat to win the Intercontinental title? Brett the Hitman How did you get Hart. the belt? Ah, nice. Well, it was a hard, I did not it was know a hard that. thing to do. It was a hard thing to do, but uh, but uh, I remember when Vince pulled me and Pat pulled me in the dressing room again because they needed the transfer. They needed this joker here in the, in the, in the portrait. So, so they got me in sitting down, and they say, uh, Jacques, we got good news and bad news. So he says, which one do you want first? I said, oh, give me the good news. <laughs> he says, you're going to become the intercontinental champion tonight. I went freaking berserk inside of me. I tried not to show it too much, but I must have showed it a bit because Pat said to me, sit down, John, sit down. So anyway, I was so freaking happy. And then he said, I said, what's the bad news? He said, we're going to lose it in two days. And then I, that was okay. I, I didn't mind, except it's so funny because I remember that night calling an old man a newspaper in Montreal, he must have been about 60 years old, and it was like 11.30 at night, and I got him out of bed, and he was a friend of mine who used to write in the Montreal paper just about every day. So I told him, I said, Andre, he says, I said, Andre, it's Jacques. I said, uh, I'm in Springfield, uh, Massachusetts. He says, Jacques, it's 11 o'clock at night. He says, why don't you call me on Thursday? Like they say it was Monday. He says, why don't you call me on Thursday? Uh, I, I can't call you on Thursday. <laughs> I can't call you on Thursday because I want you to put the picture of me with the belt, you know, in the newspaper. So, so anyway, all that to say that Brett, uh, Brett is, hasn't been an easy guy to, to do business with in the ring. He's the greatest guy. He's the greatest friend. I started in the business for his dad in Calgary in 77. He was driving the bus. He wasn't even wrestling yet. He's a great guy, and Owen was such a great guy, too. You know, they were really fun to be around. But when it came down to business, Brett had his own way of dealing with his, his, his things, his, his, his character and how to promote his character. And, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why Shawn Michaels and they had the screw job in Montreal because Brett was leaving to the Nutter Federation, and he didn't want to drop the belt to the federation he was with. So Brett is a hard guy to deal with. So... When I got to the ring, I'll never forget. They, 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 he was going to drop the belt to me, but uh, as I was in the ring, I was waiting for Brett to come in. So when Brett comes in the ring, the announcer picks up the microphone. He says, after announcing, he says, well, he says, Brett, you know, you, we got a message from your doctor that you have 104 fever tonight, that you shouldn't be wrestling. <laughs> so... So I see a sick guy, man, but but I got that belt. But he knew how to cover he knew how to cover himself, Brett, where he didn't lose any merchant value, if I'd like to say, in those words. But you know what a great guy. And you know, I always criticized Brett through my whole career about Jesus Christ, you know. We each we should each have a turn in that, you know, and he should be more businessman. But now when I look back, I'm saying maybe he did the right thing. Because he was the greatest icon that ever came out of Canada. So, you know, maybe the way he dealt with his, his personality and the, the way he saw things, his, his, I'm, I'm looking for a word there, his, uh, his publicity, his marketing, he did the right way, I think, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Mounty, thanks for the stories, and I'm going to leave. I'm going to follow your horse's instructions and head north to Canada now. Bye, guys. <laughs> thanks, Joe. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> That was Joe from Atlanta. We got three callers left on hold. Uh, we're going to go through them as quick as possible because I know we don't have the monkey for too much longer. But we're going to head out to sunny California and visit with our good friend Brian the Brain from Chico. Brian, welcome back to the show. You're live with the Mountie. 
Thanks, Jumpin' Jay, and uh, thanks, Tommy, and uh, Jacques, it's great to talk to you. I, I was fortunate enough, I got to see you three times, uh, once in uh, uh, March of uh, 87 against Don Morocco. You guys fought to a draw, and then uh, again wow. in August. I, wow. Yeah, and then, it, yeah, it was uh, your brother Ray fought, uh, he actually beat uh, Bob Orton. It was in Orton and Morocco were a tag team, and then uh, saw you again in August, you guys went against Dino Bravo and Greg Valentine, and then uh, a year later on Saturday night's main event, got to see you guys bring out your little American flags with uh, Jimmy Hart <laughs> against uh, Jim Powers and Paul Roma. So uh, thanks for all the memories and uh, on TV and in person. Um, one, one thing I wanted to ask you is uh, when you guys were first coming to the WWF, uh, it's not known by many, but uh, your brother Armand was also scheduled to come, and he got hurt, I want to say, right before that. Were you guys going to be packaged as a uh, a three-person you know, three person team when you guys were first coming in, and it just so happened Armand got hurt, and, and you and Ray ended up being uh, just the pair and, and going on as a tag team? Well, to be, to, you know, first of all, let me tell you that last year, we, two years ago before COVID, I had a chance to go to the Santa Monica Pier. And uh, I had to go to the Santa Monica Pier, uh, Santa Monica Pier and, uh, and I loved it, the Ferris wheel and everything. I always loved California. And, uh, and uh, sorry about my bird here. It's, uh, <laughs> I got a bird. And uh, anyway, no so, uh, so, 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 but the thing is I wanted to say was if you were really talking realistically, Raymond and I, it was a passion of wrestling that we had. My, my brother Armand, he was like, he was like, he was doing it because he followed the family. Hey, we, we, act, we actually bugged him a lot to do it. I don't think Armand had the talent to go in the WWF. And yes, he did uh, get hurt, but it wasn't that reason why he didn't come in. The, the, the honest truth is that Raymond and I, we have already been an established team here in Quebec. Uh, we'd work with Arma once in a while, three against threes. But, but it was really me and Raymond who was a great, great team. We, we had timing, amazing. I was in the ring with Raymond. I, I wouldn't even look behind me, and I knew he was there. You know, it was like that team we had. So, so when we went to WWF to meet Vince in, in 86, uh, 85, 86 for the first time, it was only planned to be Raymond and I because we knew that the talent was amazing, that it was the best around the world that were there, the champions of all over the federation. So, uh, so, so that's not one of the reasons why Armand didn't make it there. Well, thanks for clearing that up. And uh, like you say, that to me, that mid to late 80s was the best era of tag teams. And you guys went around the horn with everybody. And it was something where it was so tightly and evenly matched up that you would trade wins and losses with everyone. Um, also, you, you talked about it a little before, but August 10th of 87, you guys actually won the belts from the Hart Foundation in Montreal. And they did a Montreal <laughs> screw job on you guys and took the belts back that <laughs> night saying that the megaphone was uh, used, even though it was Jimmy was with the Hart Foundation. The megaphone got into the match, so they, they took the belts back away from you. But that must have been really fun to, to do in front of your, your home crowd to actually win the belts, even, even just for a night. Well, you know, it was amazing. You know, it really was. But, you know, people refer to in Montreal the screw job with Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, but that wasn't the biggest Montreal screw job. As you said, the, the wrestling fans, they, they looked at the... They looked at the Rougeau brothers, like in Toronto and Ontario, they look at Gretzky and Hockey. 
we were really icons, and we were really over big time in Montreal, especially at home. And when they gave us the belt that night, uh, I had like 5,000 people on my, uh, waiting for me outside. And when I tried to get in my car, people were banging on my car like crazy, like they, we won the Stanley Cup. And I remember my, my wife at the time, she was saying, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm saying, relax, they're happy, they're happy. You know, but my car was... But, it was, but then what happened is three days later, in the, uh, they put a little ad in the Montreal paper, and they explained in like a, a small little quarter page that uh, because Jimmy Hart, you know, we interfered with the megaphone, that they won't be able to switch the, the belts, and they took the belts and gave them back to the hearts. But the people that didn't see that article, because there's 8 million people in Quebec, so the people that didn't see the article, they were all waiting to see Saturday the wrestling and to see the Rougeau brothers represent the world, you know, with the belts. So that was the biggest screw job, of course. And, and for me, to be honest with you, we were prepared for it because they had told, them, they told us we were going to do that. But we always dreamed, Raymond and I, to, uh, to have another chance at least to, to be seen around the world as having the titles. But it never came. But there was many teams. It was great teams. So I guess it just wasn't meant to be. Well, before that, you got to go to uh, not only WrestleMania three, which was huge, but the uh, you know you, you lost to the Dream Team that night. But the huge crowd before that at the big event, you were able to be one of probably the top fan favorites on the card, other than Hogan being uh, such a, a darling of Canada. You got uh, got the win over the Dream Team at the big event in front of sixty six thousand fans. So that must have been really something, also just uh, colder yeah. than uh, than uh, at the Silverdome for WrestleMania three. Yeah, for sure that was great. That was great. But to be honest with you, it was it was it was done in, in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. But but it, it never was in my hometown. And you know, in my hometown. Oh yeah. I've been such a fan, you know, I've been such a fan of wrestling and, and I've been so close to my fans through all my career. I've always recognized that if, and from a, the young age, I've always recognized that if the fans are not there, I'm not there. So I always had a close relationship, even answering calls, uh, uh, doing personal appearances, doing calls from people that say, hey, Jacques, would, where, I live in this town, would you come by because my son has a birthday today? So I'd dress up and I'd go down to my costume just because I'd enjoy seeing the face of the fans that would really, really appreciate things like that. So, so I had the gift of always being close to my fans, and, and, and that meant a lot to me. Well, we, we friends appreciate you, and I'll let you get going so you can talk to the other guys. But uh, my brother and your brother both share a birthday tomorrow. Uh, Raymond, I want to say, has uh, got a birthday tomorrow, and my, and my brother has a birthday tomorrow also. So happy brother, birthday to your brother. Thanks to both you and your brother for all the years of entertainment you gave us, and it was a pleasure talking to you, Jacques. Uh, thanks so much. Thank Take you. care, man. Thank you, and thank you, and I want to say one last thing before you go. You know, my brother has always been the smarter one of the two, and, and you know, he's the mayor now of, of our city, you know, where we live. He's, he's a mayor. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's excellent. That's excellent. I'm glad to hear he's doing well as well. well thank, well, thank you, you so much, Jacques. All right. Take care. Thank you. Take care, my man. All right. Thank you, Brian. We got two calls. We've been waiting on hold this whole time to speak to the man himself. We're going to jump on the guy that's been waiting over half an hour to talk to the Mountie. All the way back to Totowa, New Jersey, is my good friend Tom. Tom, welcome back to the show. You are live with Jacques Rougeau. Totowa, Tom, in the house. What's up, Tom? How are you? Doing well. Mr. Mountie, 
Um, yes. That title change, <laughs> that title change that happened with Bret Hart, um, I have yet to ever seen that on video. Was there a reason why they never taped that title switch? Well, that's a good question. You probably, since it was a, a last-minute thing, and I think it was probably because Brett didn't want to switch at the Piper. I don't know. I don't have the real answer to that, but I just assume it was that because they were two baby faces. Uh, I, I think that uh, probably if somebody had a word to put in there, maybe Brett, that uh, he didn't want this to be seen nowhere on TV. I don't know, just because he's a marketing kind of guy, Brett. So, so maybe that's why. But that sure have been fun. It's a, it's a, something that you know what you're touching me when you say that because I never realized what you just told me right now. That wouldn't have been great if I would have been on a video, Carlson video or something, or or where I won the title. That would have been awesome. Agreed. One last question. Um, Getting back to Brett really quick, I remember reading in his book that Vince wanted him to come out to the ring on a horse at the very start of his career. Now, when you became a Mountie, was that ever discussed that maybe you come out on a horse as well? Oh, no, it hasn't. And I, you know, you're you're teaching me more about my business than I know. <laughs> I didn't even know that thing with Brett. So you know, I I. I I guess once again I was a pony, not a horse. But but all this to say that it, I thought it was the original idea, so I didn't know that. But uh, I definitely would have seen Brett on a horse because he has this cowboy look. He's brought up in Alberta, where there's so many cowboys. Stampede wrestling is called, actually. You know, so it would have been that's probably would have been the greatest idea, the greatest thing for Brett. He hated it, apparently, according <laughs> to his books. So that's why they nicked it. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you have anyway. A chance, if you have a chance, just I'm saying this, go go on, on wrestling-academy.ca to go see what I'm doing in Canada for the independent wrestlers. And Brett says a beautiful word for the contestants in Canada. It's really awesome what he does. So he's passing the torch today also, and he's helping me in my thing. So I owe a lot to Brett, you know, and I always like them. And, you know, I, I, every time I say I like Brett, I always come back to say I, I like Brett a lot, but I love Owen. You know, and and, uh, and Owen was such a big part of the dressing room because he was always a funny guy, the laughing guy. He had no enemies, and you know, and and, and Brett also. But 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 Owen was just something really really special of a guy. Thank you for your time today, Mr. Mountie, and I will be there, Butler, Friday night, ISPW. Awesome, man. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> All right, we got one last call, Mountie. Are you, are you doing okay if we take one last call? I am having fun here. Go ahead. I was hoping this this gentleman would call. He is from Canada. He's a longtime listener. David from Canada, welcome back to 80s Wrestling, the podcast. You are alive with the Canadian hero, the Mountie. Hey, Tommy J. Uh, bonjour, Monsieur Rizzo. Uh, bonjour, mon ami. Anytime you guys got Anytime you guys got a Canadian guy on, I got to call and represent. <laughs> solidarity, solidarity. So, exactly, exact them all. Um, so I've just had a couple questions. Um, first of all, um, Jacques, when, when you were coming in to the WJF the first time, did you find uh, any kind of pressure or anything to sort of, you know, be a representative of Canada, or did you find it more as a, a sort of representative of, of Quebec? And then also, did you ever find it weird, you know, when you were the Mountie and that, you you know, you're the Mountie in the States, but you couldn't be the same character in Canada because, you know, they didn't want to give the Mounties a bad image? 
Well, you don't ask me too many questions. I'm getting old. You ask me too many questions at the same time. Uh, the the first question I'll try to remember is, is you know, I was so I, I never had any problems with Canada whatsoever. I, I considered myself. I knew that I was representing Canada, but I always had this uh, this uh, announce, like you know, we're saying this uh, uh, with with Quebec because I always had my Florida list, and I, and yes, and, and and I guess at the time. I didn't realize that we were going to represent Canada also. We were just so, to, so much into Quebec and the French language and the different styles. So, so I guess I was more keyed up on having my, my fleur de lis on my tights and stuff like that. But when I became the Mountie, then it changed a lot. Raymond, when he quit the business, I became the Mountie. And then I saw the vignettes and I got caught up in this character where the Mountie from Canada, the Mountie from Canada. So I really got into that where I was Canadian and, and it was a great time. Um, what was that last thing you asked me? Because it was always something you asked me about the, the Mountie there uh, that I wanted to answer you. About how you had to portray it, the character differently in Canada, right? Because oh, yeah, you yeah, didn't yeah. want to give the Mountie a bad image. I remember. I remember. And you know what's the sad thing about it, the really sad thing about it, is the character of the Mountie was so hot. You know, when I was coming off Bossman and, and doing the angle with Brett, when we Jimmy Hart threw the pail of water on him and I shaked him, and we had a great run, him and me in singles. And then the uh, because I, I did that splash and the electric thing and then all this bad image in the jailhouse match, the real RCMP Mounties took a, a, a injunction against the WWF, and they said we'd never want to see the Mountie again on, on TV. They banned me from Canadian TV. So so what happened is right after that, I start sliding out of my position because when we do TV tapings, we do them in the States most of the time. And, and, and every tapes that we did, they were seen around the world. So now since I couldn't be seen in Canada, I was losing a lot of visibility. Sometimes they wouldn't put me on or they, I'd have to. And the worst part of all that, to be honest with you, is ever since I've been young, but more lately... Uh, in the 90s, and then it started where everybody knew it was entertainment. How many times have I seen a movie where there's a dirty cop in it? You know, and, and you never saw the cops from around the world saying, hey, you can't show these movies where the cop is dirty because it gives us a bad image. So I guess it was time for the Mounties to get off their horse. And, uh, but, but, but it really hurt my career. It hurt me badly. And, and, and the funniest thing is that my brother-in-law at the time, he was a Mountie, and he was telling me, how much fun the Mounties enjoyed to see me as the Mountie character. It was, it was most, he actually gave me my suit, my brother-in-law, my boots, my suit and everything. So, so it was just a thing of political rights of the, the top people in the Mounties that thought, that thought maybe that they were too important to be seen like that. But Jesus Christ, it was a movie. It was theater. It was entertainment. But, but that, I, I, I don't hold a grudge against them, but I'm just sorry that they weren't open-minded about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that a hundred percent because it was a great character, and I still think you know, anytime you're you're putting on the Canadian flag and that kind of sense, representing it's it's a good thing for for Canada in the long run. Uh, so you know, guys, Tommy J, all the best, and uh, Jacques, merci beaucoup et bonne santé. Hey, thank you very much, my friend, and good health to you too. Well, thank you very much again. A lot, a lot of callers out there. We could probably stand a couple more hours and talk to Jacques and just love sitting back listening to your stories, man. And uh, I'm excited, really excited to have you and your brother at 80s Wrestling Con Live. Again, once again, it will be on Saturday, May the 7th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey, courtesy of 
Scott Wilder Promotions. And Jacques, we're looking forward to having you in Jersey soon. And uh, one more time, please announce the website and any information for the fans that might want to uh, check it out later on the uh, on the web. Well, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for this interview. But yes, if anybody wants to go and see my, my the biggest project ever coming out of Canada, it's wrestling-academy.ca. And you could subscribe and you'll be able to vote to see if you want to keep the guy or let him go. It's a nice reality show. But I think the most important thing why I'm, I'm begging everybody to join and to subscribe is because since the winners are winning $5,000, there's four winners, but they get three months to spend at the Nightmare Factory. One day, one of my talent that was in this competition may be your hero. So, so start following him right now on wrestling-academy.ca. And what a marvelous interview this was. And I'm really looking forward to go to this thing in the spring with you guys and being with my brother again. That'd be fun. And one, and, one last, and one last time before we let you go, can we get, I am the Mountie. I'm handsome, I'm brave, I'm strong. We're not the Mounties. That was the Quebecers. And, and, and because we had to change, we came back to Quebecers, we were not the Mounties. And you know what thing I want to finish by saying is Jimmy Hart was the greatest manager of all times. And I mean better than Fuji, better than Bobby Heenan and Slick and all them, and I'll tell you why. I must say this. People must know that. Because every time I say Jimmy Hart is the best manager in the world, people say, yeah, of course, he was your manager of the Mountie and as the fabulous Rougeau brothers. But no, that's not why the reason he was the best. He was the best because every music in the wrestling business in the 80s, from any talent, it was always Jimmy Hart who composed the music and made it. But more importantly, every time he had someone, go, go watch the videos of Jimmy Hart when he's a manager, he was the only one of all the managers, like Fuji would say, ah, very smart, very smart. Bobby, he's the brain, he's smart. But Jimmy Hart would never take credibility for nothing. He was always, let me tell you something, my man here, my man here, and my man here. And he's always putting the heat on his talent. He was never taking nothing. And what a best thing that could ever happen for, for a wrestler to have a manager like that that thinks about him, about us, instead of thinking about him. So I honestly would like to give a tribute to Jimmy Hart. That's awesome. I, I think in every fan's mind, Jimmy Hart is one of the top one, two, or three spot in everyone's mind for being uh, one of the greatest managers. And we've talked on this show that the art of a good manager is something that has seemed to be lost over the last few years. But anytime a clip with Jimmy Hart comes on, I'm glued to the set and I'm entertained 100%. And I was with him last week in, in Wisconsin uh, and I had so much fun reminiscing with him. And, and then again, he got into the ring and he took the microphone. Greg the Hammer Valentine was there and Bushwhacker Luke, yay! And they were all there and we got it. And, and when he went into the ring, he introduced us all and he gave us a, a nice pedigree of amazing things and he never spoke about himself. And I had the honor taking the mic off of him and giving that honor that I just told you, I gave it to him and the fans in Wisconsin in that show. And he was, he was so blushing. He was, he's not able to take the compliment that man. And like I said, the best thing that could ever happen to a wrestler is to have a manager that looks out for his protege more than himself. Absolutely. And uh, again, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, talk to us, and we appreciate it, and we're looking forward to seeing you in a couple months in New Jersey. 
And don't forget wrestling-academy.ca. Follow this tournament from women and men. It's all across Canada, and it's going to be amazing. Awesome. Thank you again so much, man. We'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And there you have it, Tommy. One of the I'll most... tell you what, Jay, now, now that he's off the phone, I can really sing it the way I really wanted to sing it. I know we, we, we don't really know each other too well, so I don't want him to uh, think I'm trying to steal a spotlight with my great singing skills, but I think I can sing it a little <laughs> bit better now that he's off the air. <clears throat> I am the I'm handsome, I'm brave, I'm strong. I am the Mountie, and I enforce the law. <laughs> Not bad, right? Listen, man, if, if the promoting business uh, doesn't do it for you, you, have, you definitely have a career uh, as a vocalist. What a strong vocal performance at this early in the morning. Listen, when you talk about iconic theme songs, that's one that I think gets missed, but it is so catchy. And it is so fun to sing, and it is such a heel theme song to start talking about how handsome and how brave and how strong you are on the way to the ring. I love that theme song. I'll tell you what, man. I, I, I do, too. I also love when he started singing, All American Boys. I yes. love that song, too, man. Um, what just, like, just the energy that comes off of Jacques Rougeau during that interview, great storyteller, but you can tell he had a passion for entertaining people, and that passion has not died out. I have a feeling, Tommy, when you're getting up into your golden golden years of life, you're going to be the same way, man. You're still going to be singing, you're handsome, you're strong, and you're brave uh, when you're sitting in the retirement home. So I just love people that have that kind of energy. What a great way to start our day. Absolutely, man. Again, he will be appearing with his brother, at 80s Wrestling Con Live on Saturday, May the 7th at the Menon Sports Arena in Morristown, New Jersey. For tickets, you can head over to 80swrestlingcon.com. Again, that's 80swrestlingcon.com. I'm going to try and have a different guest on every week between now and May the 7th live 80s Wrestling Con. So I'll work on uh, getting another guest on for next week. Uh, big weekend here in New Jersey, Jay. Tomorrow, Friday night, February the 18th, we're having a live ISPW show with ISPW Grand Slam. It's going to be in Butler, New Jersey at St. Anthony's Church Gym, the main event for the ISPW World Heavyweight title, the superstar, Danny Morrison with Maven in his corner, and Dave LaGreca and Gabby from uh, Busted Open Radio. They're all going to be in Danny's corner when he defends the title against former WWE star, Scotty Too Hottie. Now, this is a, a match I'm really looking forward to seeing, Jay. A, as you know, uh, like him or hate him, uh, Danny Morrison is on top of his game right now. He's definitely, in my opinion, doing his best work he's ever done in his career. And, uh, you know, he's defending the belt against someone that's coming off in a really long, you know, backstage in recent years, WWE run in Scotty Too Hottie. This is going to be a really good match. Listen, all I keep thinking about with superstar Danny Morrison is how he captured the championship, may have turned his back on, on one of his best friends, but from that point on, the amount of people that are jumping on his bandwagon, I mean, he's walking down to the ring with a posse of people, 
And you have guys like Scotty Tuhati coming out of the woodwork to challenge him. Like, there's something about Danny Morrison that has eyes on him and eyes on the ISPW product. So whenever Switch has been flipped in the superstar Danny Morrison, I love it because it just seems to be getting bigger and bigger every event you put on. And so I'm excited to hear about the results of the Grand Slam this weekend. Oh, yeah, man. A lot of big matches uh, tomorrow night in Butler, New Jersey, and includes Bull James going one-on-one with Richard Holiday. If you haven't seen Richard Holiday yet, he's really, really, really good. And, and Bull is just out of this world as far as his work goes. You can actually watch the last, uh, the last four shows we've had on YouTube. If you just type in ISPW, uh, you will see the last four events that we did to get familiar with all the characters. So it will be Bull against Richard Holiday. For the ISPW Women's Championship, Vicious Vicky will defend the title against Adina Steele. For the ISPW Tri-State Championship, champion Nikos Ricos puts the title on the line against Sean Donovan. Rick Recon goes one-on-one with Leo Sparrow. A big six-man tag team match with the now, the ISPW Tag Team Champions, teaming with Justin Carino to take on the Winners Club. And Sal Sincere former WWF star from the late 90s. He will be uh, making his ISPW debut tomorrow with the Winners Club in a six-man tag. And then one of the featured matches tomorrow, Jay, which I might be looking forward to the most on the whole show, it will be Trax going one-on-one with H.C. Loke in a strat match. The last two shows, uh, you saw Trax get screwed over by H.C. Loke, and uh, tomorrow, Loke's... Uh, going to be in for it because Trax's looking for revenge and Trax's a big boy and uh, they're both going to be tied up to this strap and the only way to win this match will be to be able to touch all four corners of the ring so uh, this is going to be a slobber knocker as JR would say. Listen you don't see a strap match every day and so that in and of itself is an attraction and then the two guys that you have in it obviously like you said this is going to be one heck of a physical contest. And now my brain is just kind of ticking away. So I got to ask promoter Tommy a question. Where do you go to get a strap? I don't, I don't picture you walking into the local mom and pop hardware store and say, hey, I need a strap for a strap match. There must be a promoter's special store that you get this stuff at. <laughs> well, I, 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 yeah, we we go to the uh, Strap University in uh, Birmingham, Alabama. No, of we quality product. We, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we 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 scoured high and low throughout the United States to find a strap, and and we have one. So uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to this show. Uh, again, this is all tomorrow night. ISPW Grand Slam, and. Uh, then the following day, no, no, no time to rest, Jay, because the following morning, actually, from 11 to 2 p.m. at the Wrestling Collector in Stockholm, New Jersey, former WWE star Carlito is going to be appearing at the Wrestling Collector, signing autographs, taking pictures. So that will be this Saturday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the Wrestling Collector. And again, ISPW Live tomorrow night uh, at 7.30 p.m., doors open 6, Butler, New Jersey, St. Anthony's Church Gym. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, the fun and exciting weekend in New Jersey this week, Jay. What, what do you have planned for this weekend? Well, nothing that exciting, my man. Uh, business as usual here in Minnesota. And I don't get to hang out with the cool people like Car- Carlito. But I will tell you, 
I did go to a raw taping once, and you tell the story about how you caught um, leaving Lanny's Frisbee. I got an apple from Carlito at a Monday Night Raw taping. Before he was able to take a bite out of it, he got attacked. It kind of rolled to the side, and one of the guys working ringside grabbed it and, and tossed it to me baseball style. So I got to, to have an apple from Carlito. Here's my question, though. When you have a big ISPW show Friday night, and then you get a big signing at the store Saturday, how do you sleep? Because I got to imagine you come off such a high from the ISPW show that it's probably hard to wind down and go to bed. And you're probably so excited and anticipating the signing. Do you just pull an all-nighter or do you get a couple hours of sleep? <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely get a couple hours of sleep. But yeah, okay. man, like it, by the time the show gets over and you're done cleaning up at the building, it's, you know, it's, it's midnight, late. you know? Yeah. And then, and then you have to get up early the next morning because what I do is I close my store the day of the ISPW event. So I'll sure. take a bunch of I'll take a bunch of uh, stuff from the store to sell at the live event. I have a wrestling collector table at the ISPW shows, but then you know you have to wake up the next early, the next day because you know Saturday is the, the busiest day in the store and right. bring every because my last few shows have been on Friday, so you got to bring all the stuff back to the store early before we open. Now this time it's have to even be earlier because I have Carlito here at right. 11 a.m. the next morning, so it's gonna yeah, it's not going to be too much sleep that we, this weekend. Well, the, you'll be living off the adrenaline and the excitement, man. I'm looking forward to, to finding out how the weekend goes. I know it's going to be awesome for you, but I'm excited to hear all the details next week once it's all wrapped up. Big ISPW show Grand Slam this Friday. Huge signing on Saturday. Tommy's living the dream, hustling. I love it. <laughs> Trying, man. And then any independent wrestlers that listen to the podcast that live on the East Coast, live in the New Jersey area. Scotty Tuhati is actually going to be doing a seminar uh, tomorrow afternoon uh, from 3 to 5 p.m. before the ISPW show at nighttime. So if you live in the New Jersey area and you are an independent wrestler and know someone that is, uh, definitely send them our way. Scotty will be doing a, uh, a live uh, seminar with the local independent wrestlers tomorrow uh, from 3 to 5 p.m. So you can contact us if you're interested in being a part of that as well. But until next week, man, I hope you and your family, Jay, have a great weekend. I hope all the listeners have a great weekend. Anyone that is local, love to see you guys tomorrow. ISPW, Butler, New Jersey. Saturday, the Wrestling Collector with Carlito. Until then, Jay, have a great week. And we'll see you next here, uh, next week right here with a different guest. I don't know who it's going to be yet. But we'll have one on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.